Well, good morning, New Hope Community Church. Thanks again for continuing to join us online. Um, hey, we're going to continue on in our series um, as we're praying and fasting. I hope that um, you're able to log on um, to either our Facebook or Instagram, or maybe you're opening your emails daily um, where we see the um, scripture verses and we see the reflection questions. Um, our hope and our prayer is that um, that you would allow the Lord to work in and through your life in this season. Um, I know that um, prayer, prayer to the believer is like oxygen. Um, it is necessary um, in order to have intimacy with God. It is necessary part of our life. And so we're going to continue on in our series um, in prayer. Um, I love, I love how prayer can change the course of history, that there are stories, um, you know, throughout history where we see a believer who is serious about prayer and what happens um, in and through their lives. I know for me personally, when I was a little girl, uh, we, we were believers in Jesus, but my dad was an unbeliever. And I remember we used to pray for my dad, um, but we had a special way that we would pray for him. We didn't want him to hear us praying. So we would whisper our prayers like this. We'd say, dear Jesus, we just pray for our dad. And so we whisper our prayers. And then I remember um, my dad got saved. The Lord changed the course of our family history. Our house went from a house where we whispered our prayers to being a house where we had prayer meetings. We had nights of worship. We had home groups at our house. Our house became a lighthouse. Their neighbors, our neighbors uh, came to know the Lord in our home. Um, so what what ended up being from a house of like darkness and abuse and destruction to a house of light. And so I've seen prayer change our lives, uh, my life uh, personally. I remember the first time I went to, you know, Sunday school as a, as a new believer. And I was shocked that everyone was thinking, why are they praying so loud? Why aren't they whispering their prayers? I didn't know we were whispering um, just to keep everything quiet. You guys, I have an amazing story. I'm so excited and so encouraged. Just this week, um, I was talking to my neighbor. Um, but before that, I should preface that by saying, you know, we have, I don't know about you, but in our family, uh, we have a junk drawer. It's like a drawer where you put things in that you're like, I don't know where to put this. So you just, you know, throw it in the junk drawer. And so um, I was kind of going through the junk drawer. I was actually looking for something. So I'm looking for, you know, the item that I'm looking for. And I found a bunch of post-it notes, like brightly colored poster notes. So I, you know, started looking at all the different post-it notes and I'm thinking, army who's army and then I flip it I'm like M misty oh this is our neighbors oh so you guys when we started our church almost five years ago one of the first meetings that we had um, in the launch for Easter in a launch for let's pray for the lost let's pray for our community let's pray for our neighbors we did a prayer night and we asked everybody in the room to write out the names of people we should pray for. Um, like I said, our neighbors, our community, our people in our family that didn't yet know Jesus. And so uh, we put their names. I remember I specifically wrote their names and we put them on this prayer wall. There were post 
post-it notes. So we put them on the prayer wall and it was a reminder to be praying for these, um, for our, our friends and our family. And so we would pray for our neighbors. We've been praying for them and you'll never believe it. Um, just this past week, uh, I got, you know, my neighbor came over, the kids were playing together. And I think I talked to my neighbor for about two hours and she shared with me her testimony about how her and her whole family have said yes to Jesus. And um, man, they are so excited. They're on fire for the Lord. And I was just like, we pray, like we, we're, we've been praying for you. And so I know that prayer, um, although sometimes we don't see an answer right away, that God moves through prayer and fasting. So be encouraged today as we jump into our text. Um, be encouraged that God hears your prayers and that he moves in prayers. Amen. We're going to go ahead and jump into our text. But before we do, I just want to say this, that when earthly wine runs out, heavenly wine never does. And if you get anything this morning, I pray that you understand that when earthly wine runs out, heavenly wine never does. And we're going to jump into a familiar story. It's where Jesus performs his first miracle, and it's found in the book of John, chapter 2, 1 through 11. Let's read it together. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone jars, the kind that was used for Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests had had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This is the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. Before we break all of this down, I think it's important to note um, if we all know what a buffer or a margin is. Um, I think so many times in life uh, we plan. I think my husband is notorious for this. I'll say, how many minutes till you're ready? And he says, like five minutes. You know, it's 15 minutes later. Um, I think a lot of times when we plan, we, we really cut ourselves short and we don't give ourselves enough buffer. Uh, we don't give ourselves enough margin. Uh, there was a study that was done and the students, they were asked, how long do you think it would take for you to get your dissertation done? They said, oh, about 30 days. And they said, well, okay, that's if everything goes well, but what if you, know, you, you have some hiccups and there's different things going on, how long? And the students are like, oh, you know, probably like 50 days. And then um, what it actually took the students was like 75 days. And so um, 
all that to say uh, in our lives, we can just kind of cut ourselves short and underestimate how much time things take. And I think it's the same with prayer. Sometimes we pray and we expect immediate, quick results. And sometimes there is immediate, quick results, especially when the Lord is doing miracles. Um, but I believe that sometimes when we pray, we need to be faithful and just know that there is a buffer time. Um, that when we pray and we see nothing happen, uh, we get discouraged and we stop praying, we stop hoping, we stop believing in that thing that we're praying for. And I believe, I want to um, hope that we would be encouraged to continue in our prayer life today. And we see Jesus here at a wedding. You guys, Jesus, I don't know what your picture of Jesus might be in your mind, but Jesus was social. He was out at parties. He went to weddings. He hung with people. So here he is uh, like a, you know, like you or me, he's at a wedding and celebrating and excited. Um, and the wine runs out. Now, the wine in this uh, culture would be a symbol of joy, a symbol of celebration. And, um, you know, Mary, the mother of Jesus, like sees what's happening behind the scenes. And she's like, this is a disaster. And so um, think about it. I mean, think about uh, your wedding. I I'm sure, you know, we plan and we, we hope and we try, um, but I feel like there's always something that goes wrong at weddings. But just think, if you had a wedding and maybe you ran out of food, for all the guests that were at the wedding, there was not enough dinner to feed everybody. It would be a disaster. And that's where we find ourselves in this story. Um, Mary sees it um, and she's being very kind and merciful by like going to Jesus and being like, hey, um, there's no more wine. And that's how she asks Jesus. And if I can um, say anything to you today is one, that wine always runs out. In life, wine always runs out, uh, whether it's your health. One day you're going to get old and your health is not going to be, your strength isn't going to be what you thought or hoped it would be. Uh, maybe it's money. Maybe the, the money is running low. Maybe it's your job. Things have changed. Uh, maybe it's your relationships. At some point, the wine will run out, whether it be with your children or your spouse, the wine will run out. Whether it's the government, you guys, the wine is running out. Um, and I think if it's anything that this pandemic has taught us is those things that we've depended on, the things that seem so solid, the things that we might have put um, our trust in, we realize how insecure um, those foundations have been, that we see that wine runs out. And so here we have this wedding and we have this big problem and Jesus, um, he answers his mom. His mom's coming to him like, hey, the wine's out. And Jesus says, woman, what is that? What is concern? What does that concern me? And I always read that and I think, man, that sounds so harsh. <laughs> you know, Jesus just calling her woman. It's like, that's his mother. <laughs> but here he is calling her woman. Well, what's interesting to note is Jesus uses this term a couple of times with his mother and he's not saying necessarily woman but this would translate to be like dear woman 
Um, he says this to Jesus, the same phrase, Jesus says this to Mary, the same phrase as um, Jesus is on the cross. He says, woman, behold your son. We see Jesus using this when he talks to Mary Magdalene. And we also see Jesus using this dear woman when he's talking to the woman at the well. Um, so it would have been a term of endearment. And then Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. And what Jesus is referring to in that moment is like my hour of glory. The reason why I came has not yet come. And what Jesus is referring to and what Mary did not know um, would be Jesus on the cross that he came to die for us. Um, and so Jesus saying, my time is not here yet. You, can you imagine Mary's probably like, I know, you know, like I know how you were conceived and I saw what just happened at the baptism. Um, Mary, knowing that her son is special, is coming to him and he's like, my time hasn't come. I believe that this is kind of Jesus. It's a nice way of him saying no. He tells Mary in a nice way, no. Uh, what do you do when Jesus says no to you when he says no at a dark time when the wine is running out and the funny thing is mary wasn't even asking for herself she was asking on behalf of the bride and the groom she was doing these people a favor she was saving them from you know shame and dishonor um, but jesus says no and we're faced anytime we feel like Jesus says no, when we've been praying, we ask, we come to him. Um, he says, no, it can be a dark hour. Sometimes God says no, and it's obvious, like an obvious no, like, oh Lord, our prayers can be kind of ridiculous sometimes, right? Like, oh Lord, I just pray. I just pray that this lottery ticket is the winning ticket. Lord, I pray because I could really use the, or maybe, um, you know, when you're praying for that person who really annoys you at work and you're just like, Lord, let them have it. Um, and God says no, for obvious reasons. In Richard Foster's book on prayer, he says, sometimes it is God's grace and mercy that prevent our prayers from being answered. God withholds his gift for our good. We could not handle what might come if our requests were granted. So we must thank God for our many unanswered prayers. I love how C.S. Lewis put it. He said, if God had granted me all the silly prayers I've made in my life, where should I be now? And I think that there are just some prayers, you know, we're just processing. And I love that about the Lord that you can just bear it all to him and you can share your heart. But in those things, we know that God says no. But what about when we ask God um, for good things like, God, I want to get into this school. You see, you know, I've worked hard. I've got the grades and, and it's a no. Maybe um, we're single and we're just like praying like, Lord, this loneliness is too hard to bear. Like I want a spouse and we're praying and we're believing for that. And we just feel like it's a no. Um, maybe we're praying for healing and we not have, have not yet seen it. And, and then we're in this dark season where we've prayed and we've asked and we're experiencing a no and then darkness. 
how do you respond? And I believe Mary's response in this text is to teach us about prayer. Uh, Martin Luther writes in the 1500s, he writes a whole, you know, sermon on this particular passage. And I love what he says about Mary in this moment and how when Jesus tells her no, she doesn't take it as unkindness. This is what Martin Luther says. Now observe how his mother acts here and becomes our teacher. However harsh his words sound, however unkind he appears, she does not in her heart interpret it as anger or as the opposite of kindness, but adheres firmly to the conviction that he is kind, refusing to give up this opinion because of the thrust she received and the unwilling to dishonor him in her heart by thinking him other wise than kind and gracious. You see, when Mary heard Jesus is no, she didn't jump to conclusion. She didn't start thinking, oh, he's so mean. He's so unkind. He didn't answer me. But what we see Mary in this moment, we see that Mary is very peaceful at what appears to be no. So you see, most of the time we have no idea of what God is doing. We have no idea of what is coming next. And I believe that Mary exhibits that my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. We see Mary um, reflecting that Romans eleven thirty three, 33, uh, where it says, who can trace the wisdom of God? His ways are so big that you can't even trace it. We can't even begin to comprehend. And so we see Jesus here. We see Mary here. She's very peaceful um, when she hears a no. A no. The other thing I notice about Mary is that she stays with Jesus, even though she doesn't know what's going on, even though she doesn't know what he's going to do, she stays with him. Um, John 6, 29 says, trust the one that he has sent, that she trusts Jesus. She stays with him. Um, she doesn't, you know, try to take it in her own hands. And number three, we see that Mary trusts. And this is where we see her prayer life in action. Jesus says, no, she's peaceful. She stays with him. She trusts him. Then she turns to the servants and she says this, do whatever he tells you to do. And this moment is so significant. This moment has a massive impact. We don't you know, Mary at this point doesn't even realize that this is the beginning of Jesus's public ministry. I love in the book of John where John will use, um, you can go through your Bible and circle it. John will say, and, the, and this was a sign or these were signs. This was a miraculous sign. John uses the word sign while other uh, gospels use the word marvel. The disciples marveled at what he was going to do. But the significance of John using the word sign was that something significant was about to happen. And this is where Jesus reveals his glory. We see the wine runs out that Jesus, he just doesn't make enough. We see Jesus making 
like 800 bottles. If you do the math, it's like there was probably like 50 to maybe 100 people at this wedding. We don't know. Um, but Jesus makes above and beyond. He makes it a point to give over the amount. He makes it a point to give in abundance. He takes the nothing that was there. The wine had run out. And he makes it super duper awesome, good, amazing wine. Uh, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wow, that's a good wedding. Tons of wine and really good wine. Um, the kind that Jesus makes. Um, but Jesus at this moment does something so significant because uh, he's answering those prophetic writings we see in Joel, we see in Amos, where it says, when the Messiah comes, that wine will flow. Where Jesus at this moment can take our insignificant lives and he does something amazing with it. Prayer is trusting that when the world's wine runs out, that his wine never ever runs out, that it is flowing and flowing and flowing for you and for me. And we have access to the wine maker. Amen. Even if I don't know what God is doing, even if the wine or even when the wine runs out, uh, prayer is when we come to him, even though we don't get it. We need to trust and obey. Mary says, do whatever he tells you. I think some of us, uh, when we pray, uh, we pray and we don't get what we want. And then you're like, you know what? I tried it. I prayed. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to listen to you. I think there's times where um, it's a, okay, God, well, you do this and then I'll do this. Or you, you want me to serve? You want me to give? <laughs> you want me to lead a small group? Okay, well, then you do this. We make these bargains with God when we pray. It reminds me of my five-year-old. Uh, the other day I was like, hey, Ezra, put that down, you know, and he's like, I will if you give me a candy. I'm like, oh, what? Um, but isn't that funny? Like, that's the, five, the maturity of a five-year-old, and this is what we do to our Lord. Like, I'll do it if. How many testimonies have I heard? Like, I was on my deathbed, and I bargained with God. I said, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. But Mary, Mary's heart here, she gets a no from Jesus. What appears to be a no? And she says, do whatever he tells you. Mary doesn't get frustrated. She doesn't try to fix the problem. She doesn't know the outcome or the significance of this moment, but she chooses to trust and she obeys. He says no, and she says, do whatever he tells you. Some of us, I think this is a big issue for us. We want the control. Uh, we are like in a big truck and we're speeding in one direction and we're going to do it our way. Um, and God is saying, stop, stop out of love for you. He wants you to hold and trust and know that he is working in the no. He is maybe no other way to soften your heart and learn to trust him. 
I think uh, when we get a no from the Lord, we begin to work on our own solutions, making decisions. And, and you know what? I'm going to just do what I want in my future. And I'm going to deal with my spouse the way that I think I've prayed about it. You know what? I'm going to deal with my kids and I'm going to do what I want with my money and figure out with my job. I'm just going to do it my way. I'm a worker. I'm going to do it. And the Lord um, is saying, trust me. Now, I'm not saying to not plan or not have goals, or maybe you don't have a job to not go out and put a job application. Of course, we want to do those things. We want to pursue life. But the thing is, is that we're making our plans. We're, we're pursuing our goals with the heart, with the difference of that we trust that with our God, his wine never runs dry. You see, sometimes our vision can be so limited and uh, we do not know what's going on all the time. Um, and thank God for that. I have such a, a nearsighted tunnel vision um, and I don't see the full picture. I don't see all of what God is doing, but this is where the Lord is calling us to trust in him. God's ways are so big and so vast. There is such a large gap between my understanding and his understanding. It would, you know, kind of be like me trying to explain the mortgage to my son Ezra and the bills and how, you know, things work in life. He, he, he couldn't even comprehend it. At this point, you know, uh, we're working on letters. <laughs> he knows his shapes, he knows his colors, and we're good. He's learning his letters. Um, but to explain bigger concepts and how things go together, at this point, we're just working on baby steps. And I think that's how it is with the Lord. Like, Lord, I trust you. You're going to let me know what I need to know when I need to know it. I just need to trust and obey. Um, and I believe that maybe there is no other way that God can grow us to maturity except through when he sometimes says no. I mean, think about it even with our kids, right? Um, we teach them to be hopefully mature, grown adults one day, but it would be through that, like, no, you can't do that and establishing boundaries and our kids trusting what we're saying and listening to it. Um, prayer is trusting in a wine that will never run dry so that when you go through crisis, when you go through heartbreak, uh, when you go through setbacks, when you hit the wall, it won't destroy you. It will not be to your detriment. If you stick with Jesus, if you remain in him, you will have hope and joy and love like you've never imagined. And you will be a gift to this world for the glory of Jesus, that God can use those bitter moments in your life, that God can use those no's for a greater purpose, for his glory, for his kingdom, um, for his good. You know, um, I'm not sure if I ever mentioned this story before, but there was a, a, a kid I went to high school with. He was the same age as me, super athletic. His name was Andrew. And, you know, he was in all kinds of sports. He liked skateboarding, surfing, you know, snowboarding. We lived in Southern California, so there was really, you know, a huge sport community there. Anyways, um, I guess he goes to college. His story is like this, graduates, meets the girl of his dream. Uh, he's a, on the verge of being engaged and, you know, his whole family goes up to a cabin for the snow, like Thanksgiving weekend. 
And, um, you know, he was snowboarding and he said that him and his cousin had made this tiny little snow ramp for them to do tricks on. He said it wasn't a big ramp. And um, so he went out the day after Thanksgiving and just kind of did a little jump and he landed on his, on his bottom. Um, he said it wasn't, he said of all the stupid things he ever did, this was definitely not that big of a deal kind of fall. But when he fell, he knew that he was really hurt. And what ended up happening is that he broke uh, three uh, cervical bones. So like he ended up breaking his neck from falling on his bottom on a small jump. I say this story um, because his post 10 years later, that happened in 2004. Well, in 2014, I see a post um, from him on Facebook and it said 10 years ago. I had an accident, a life-altering accident. He's paralyzed from the waist down. He's in a wheelchair. And he said, if I could go back and redo that day, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade the relationships I have now. The people that I have met had I not been eye-level with them. How I've experienced the love of my Savior, Jesus Christ. How I have my beautiful wife and beautiful daughter. And he starts listing all the things that he's thankful for. Although he hasn't had healing, he says he's thankful for the two men that came and encouraged him. That moment he came out of surgery, he never knew these guys. There were men in wheelchairs that said, hey, there is life beyond this surgery. Today, Andrew now uh, co-founded a company called the Triumphant Foundation, and this company will go to hospitals and encourage people who have had accidents just like his. In that moment of despair and discouragement, he's able to be there and encourage other people who have the same type of injury. His company provides people with amazing wheelchairs, um, you know, he, so he has this whole foundation and, and a group of friendships and how the Lord has used this injury, how the Lord has used this no in this man's life for God's purpose, for God's good, for God's glory. See, we cannot see the whole picture, but we need to trust him, obey him and follow him. God loves you. If you hear anything, hear this this morning that no matter where you're at in your life, what you are experiencing, that God loves you. Stay with him. Stick with him, even if you don't feel like it. Right now, there's a statistic saying like one out of every three people is not going to church anymore. Stick with Jesus, even if times are dark, even if it's hard. You see, anybody can follow God when things are good and the blessings are flowing. It's easy. Um, but it, it is trusting in Jesus regardless of my circumstances. And I love um, what Pastor John always says. Um, never trade what you don't know for what you do know. 
I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. I don't know what kind of job the Lord will open up. I don't know how I'm going to see my way out of this depression. I don't know all the answers, but what I do know, I do know that God is good, that God is loving, that God is kind. I do know this. I do know that when the wine, when the world's wine runs out, that his wine is ever flowing and everlasting. And his provision and his love is there for you. Trust him and obey him. And if I can encourage you today, maybe we can just take a moment to evaluate our lives. And I could ask you, where is your wine running low? Maybe it's one area of your life where you feel that I'm depleted, I'm empty. Maybe it's seven areas. Maybe it's your life. total life. May I invite you right now to take a posture before the Lord. See, Jesus wants to fill you up. He wants to use the things in your life, maybe that, that are painful. He wants to use them for his good and for his glory. And so we can come before the Lord with tight fists, or we can come before the Lord open. Would you come before the Lord this morning saying, Lord, my posture before you is open. Lord, I want to receive. Lord, all that you have for me, help me to trust and obey. And this morning, if you find yourself like maybe, maybe the hardships of life has been really tough. Maybe you've dealt with a lot of discouragement and doubt. Maybe you feel like, man, the, the the wine has run dry. I, I don't even know about this Jesus stuff anymore. Would you come back? Would you come back to Jesus? Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus and this message is resonating with you. Would you give your life to Jesus today? What he could do with our lives, especially when we come to him empty-handed. I'm going to ask Pastor John to come up and he's going to lead us in a time of communion and prayer. Um, But would you prepare your hearts before the Lord? All right. Well, in the moment, we're going to receive our communion. But before we do that, I just want to let this settle in that when the world's wine runs dry, Jesus does not. Maybe when your strength runs dry, his strength does not. When your joy runs dry, His joy does not. So would you come back to the lover of your soul this morning? And if this is your first time and if you've never received Christ, this is the most eternal decision that you could make. I implore you to receive Christ as your savior to save you from sin, from the power of sin and from the penalty of sin, but also receive him as Lord that Jesus is God and that you're going to love Him and follow Him and obey Him because in Him and through Him there's strength, there's joy, there's life everlasting. Just like the disciples in John chapter 6, Lord, where else can we go for you alone have words of eternal life? And before we receive our communion, um, if you're in our website this morning, there's going to be a little tab I will say yes, I believe, or yes, I want to receive uh, Jesus into my life. And if you're 
on Facebook, wherever you're at, you can just type yes and raise your hand, I believe. And as you uh, believe Jesus, Romans says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Christ and that God raised him from the dead and believe in your heart, then you shall be saved. It's through the belief in the heart and the confession of the mouth. So why don't you repeat after me, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for giving yourself for me, for dying my death on the cross that I deserved. Lord, for resurrecting the dead so that I could have life eternal. Jesus, come into my life. Would you be my Savior? Would you be my Lord? Holy Spirit, seal me now with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And as we're going through our 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're going to take a time of communion this morning. And communion, a lot of oftentimes in the parables, the kingdom of God is likened to a wedding banquet and a party and a wedding feast. And what communion is, it's a, this love relationship with God. It's this, it's entering into um, this relationship where the Lord's Supper, the Lord prepares a table before you. He's provided everything for you. He's provided uh, life, life eternal, life in this life now and the life to come. And uh, through his life, death, and resurrection, we can enter into this holy matrimony, this relationship, this marriage covenant relationship with Christ, and um, the communion then becomes a symbol of that. So, the uh, Bible says, For I receive from the Lord, which I now deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, he gave thanks and said, this is my body broken for you. Eat of this in remembrance of me. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for your provision. Thank you, Lord, for your broken body. It's through your broken body, Lord God, that we can experience wholeness. Wholeness in mind, wholeness in spirit, wholeness in body. So Lord, as we eat this bread, would you right now give spiritual strength? Would you give sustenance to your people, O oh Lord God, that you are the living bread, that we shall never hunger again? So fill us, your people, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and eat of the bread. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Drink of this as often as you eat, for as often as you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's go ahead and proclaim the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus, and let's drink the cup as one church.
All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for joining us. We love you guys. Take care.